0: say, to tell you just what Christ means to me. more to me than I could possibly show. More, more, so much more. yesterday you'd know why he's life and his breath to me No, Christ means more to me than you'll ever know Christ means more to me than I could possibly show more Oh
1: man. Wasn't that beautiful? Yeah. Matthew chapter 14 this morning. How much does Jesus mean to you? How much does Christ mean to you this morning? The choir sang about His love for you, but how much love do you have for Him? Yeah. Did you just talk about your love for Him, do you just talk about how much you care for Him or do you show Him? And one thing that set Jesus aside is He let talking be talked but when it came time, He walked the walk. And when it come time to love humanity, He showed His love by going to the cross. And I believe if you truly love somebody, you're, you won't just tell them you love them, but you'll show them you love them. And I believe if we really love Jesus, there's going to have to come a time in our life that we begin to show Him how much we love Him. That we show Him how much He means to us. On Wednesday night, I've been going through a study on John the Baptist. And boy, what a study it's been. What a life of John the Baptist. And I want to finish that series here this morning with this final sermon of that series. And if there's anybody that loved Jesus... It was John the Baptist. And if you could go to a life in the New Testament to somebody that just gave everything he had to the kingdom of God, it had to be John the Baptist. I'm telling you, and and I began to think about this as God prepared my heart, but I thought about how many sermons or, or, or funerals that I preached to people that I could honestly say that they gave their life back to Jesus. I wonder how many funerals that we've been to that we heard the preacher say, you know what, they gave everything they had to give back to Jesus. I wonder how many funerals we walked in and we thought in our mind, you know what, they may not have had a lot of money, they may not have had a lot of fame, but everything they had, they gave to Jesus. And I'll tell you what, that list isn't very long, is it? And at the end of the day, if we get to the place that we think of people that have truly given everything back to Jesus for the kingdom of God's sake, the list is very few. But I ask you this morning, would you be willing to give all for the kingdom of God? Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? Matthew chapter 14 and in verse 1. At that time Herod the Tetriarch heard of the fame of Jesus And said unto his servants, This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. For Herod had laid hold on John, and bound him, and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. For John said unto him, It is not lawful for thee to have her. And when he would have put him to death, he feared the multitude, because they counted him as a prophet." But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod, whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. And she, before, excuse me, being before instructed of her mother, said, Give me here John the Baptist's head in a charger. And the king was sorry, nevertheless, for the oath's sake. And them which sat with him at meat, he commanded it to be given her. And he sent and beheaded John in the prison. And his head was brought in in a charger, and given to the damsel. And she brought it to her mother. And the disciples came and took up his body, and buried it, and went and told Jesus. And when Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship, and to a desert place. Apart, And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him out on foot of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion towards them, and he healed their sick. Dear Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word this morning. Lord, open our hearts to it. Give me power to preach it. Lord, convict us with your word today. Lord, I pray that the lost would be saved and the saved would be convicted, Lord, that we would be convicted to give our life back to you. Lord, the simple reason why you ask for our life is because you gave your life for us first. The very reason that you ask us to love you is because you loved us first. Thank you for that love. Thank you for the life that you gave me in the form of Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. I want to speak to you on this subject this morning. John the Baptist, a life given for the kingdom of God. A life given for the kingdom of God. When we turn to the Bible and we speak of lives that was consecrated for the work of Jesus Christ and for the work of the kingdom, one life that must come to our mind is John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a peculiar man. As we talked about, he was a man dressed in camel's hair and ate locusts and honey. And this man lived apart. He lived in the wilderness. He looked different. He acted different. He talked different. And in the society of that day, this was just a different kind of man. But the Bible said for us as God's people, That we are to be a peculiar people. That we're to be set apart and we're to be different than the world. And when you give your life back to Jesus, friend, you're going to be different. You're going to come out from among them and you're going to live your life for the kingdom of God. And because he gave his life for the kingdom of God, this man was peculiar. This man was different. This man was separated and consecrated. I'm telling you, child of God, our life ought to be consecrated for the use of God today. Our life ought to be separated for the purpose of carrying out that great commission. I'm telling you, when God saved you, He changed you. And there ought to be a burden within that heart to give your life back to Him. As I think about Galatians 2 and 20, when uh, the Apostle Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. I wonder how many of us has truly fulfilled that verse in our life that we have died to the point. We have died to our lusts. We have died to our desires to the point that we have given Jesus everything that we got. That all that we are and all that we have, we have given all back to Him. Paul did it. John the Baptist did it. And when I begin to think about when Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I live, I think of John the Baptist. We don't see him in the Scripture, but when we see him, we see Jesus through him, that he completely died to John the Baptist, that he completely died to himself. People everywhere he went, people exalted him, people praised him, people were all over him, but it was always about Jesus. Because John the Baptist died to himself, and it was all about the Lord. And sermon after sermon, the last several months have been about dying to self. Every sermon it seemed like that I preach was about giving our life back to Jesus. I'm sure you're sick of hearing it, but I'm telling you, God's got a purpose and God's got a reason. And it could be the reason he keeps preaching these sermons because we had not applied it yet. Hello? Somebody went to the preacher and said, Preacher, you preach the same sermon four Sundays in a row. When are you going to change it? He said, When you get to the altar and get right, I'll change it. When you start listening, I'll change my sermon. But I'm telling you, I have a feeling that God is in this place searching our life out, wanting a little more from us. Wanting a little more from us. I'm telling you, Jesus gave it all, and He wants you to give your all this morning. And as I look at John the Baptist, I see a man I gave everything back to Jesus. Number one, I want you to notice a life given to Christ. John the Baptist gave his life to Jesus Christ. It was all about Jesus. I want you to look here in the first two verses. It said, At that time Herod the Tetrarch heard of the fame of Jesus and said unto his servants, This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. For Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. So he's telling the story when he sees Jesus, he's telling the story of John the Baptist. Because John the Baptist's life was given so much for Jesus Christ that when Herod finally seen Jesus, he thought that was John the Baptist. He said, wait a minute, I put this man to death. He said, there is no way that John, that's John the Baptist. But when he saw the life of Jesus, he said, that's got to be John the Baptist. But I put him to death. Man, he must have rose from the dead. He must have come back because that's not Jesus, that's John the Baptist. John the Baptist gave his life so much for Jesus that when the world looked at him, they saw Jesus. And when they, saw, and when they looked at Jesus, they thought it was John the Baptist. Because their lives looked like one another. The life of John the Baptist mirrored that of Jesus Christ. John the Baptist gave his life to be so much like Jesus that people mis- mistook, or boy, that's a horrible word, whatever, y'all know. They misunderstood and they said, that's got to be Jesus. I'm telling you, when that man lived a life so given and pleasing to the Lord that when the world looked at them and the world looked at John the Baptist and they said, that's got to be Jesus, may I tell you, that's what God wants from us, that we live and we look so much like Jesus that when the world looks at us, all they can see is Jesus in us and through us. May I'm telling you, this man right here lived a life that was saturated in Jesus Christ. I'm telling you his hero was Jesus. His mentor was Jesus. His standard in life was Jesus. The preeminence of everything that he was, was Jesus. When you talk about John the Baptist, you got to talk about Jesus. When you look at the life of John the Baptist, you can't help but look at the life of Christ. This man was so saturated with Jesus. Everywhere he went, the gospel of God was dripping off of this man. He was so absorbed in the kingdom of God and so absorbed into the message that Jesus was literally dripping off of him that when people looked at him, they thought it was Christ. Everywhere he went, they said, that's the Christ. And he said, no, I'm not the Christ, because there's one above me. There's one before me. There's one greater than me. I'm not even worthy to loose his shoe uh, strings. I'm telling you, there's one greater than me, and it's Jesus Christ. This man lived a life so consecrated, so saturated in Jesus, that when people looked at him, they thought it was Jesus. Do we live that close to Jesus that when people look at us, they think of Jesus? Man, look at their life. Man, they look so much like the Lord. Man, there's no doubt they're Christian. You know, it's a shame when we got to tell people we're Christians. They ought to be seeing it by the life that we live. Amen. Y'all amen something this morning? My goodness, wake up now. This world ought to look at us and see Jesus dripping off of us. We ought to be Jesus-driven, Jesus-centered, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We ought to be Jesus in the morning, Jesus at lunchtime, and Jesus at night time. Everything in our life ought to be about Jesus. He ought to be the preeminence of all that we are and all that we have. Because I'm telling you, when He came to this world and He lived, He lived for you. And everything He did is because of you. And everything we do ought to be because of him. And ought to be for him. This man lived a life consecrated. The Bible calls John the Baptist the forerunner of Jesus Christ. The one to prepare the way for Jesus. John's birth was likened unto the birth of Jesus Christ. When you look at the birth and the announcement of the birth, it's very similar to that of Christ. When you look at the calling of John the Baptist, it's similar to the calling of Christ. John the Baptist was the last Old Testament prophet that we have in the Bible. This man was born into a family of priests, but God called him to be a prophet. His message was likened unto the message of Christ. When this man came along, it was all about Judaism. It was all about the law. It was all about ritualism. It was all about the priest and the Holy of Holies and all this. But when John the Baptist came along, he preached a message that was radical. He preached a message that was different. The only one that matched his message was the message of Jesus Christ. You see, when the disciples heard Jesus preach on the the Sermon on the Mount and preach on the Mount of Beatitudes, they've heard that message before. You know where they heard it from? John the Baptist. Because he had the same message likened unto Christ. That there's something greater than the law. That there's something called grace. Aren't you thankful for that message? That there's something greater than a, a priest. And there's something greater than an animal and a lamb. That there's something called grace. And something called love. And no matter what you've done, by the grace of God, He can save you and clean you and change you. And John the Baptist came to preach this radical sermon in this radical message that people didn't like. But it's the same message that Jesus preached. Because He likened His life unto that of Christ. And everything about John the Baptist looked just like Jesus. His message was just like Jesus. His life was like it unto him. You cannot find anything in the life of Christ that is outside of the will of God. Everything that Jesus came to do was about us. And the focus of everything he did was about us. You know what? You cannot find anywhere where John the Baptist did anything other than please the Father. Everything in his life and in his ministry was about Jesus. We don't see where he took vacations. We don't see where he went and did this and did this and did this. Every time that we find John the Baptist, he was about the Father's business. Every time we find Jesus, he was about the father's business. As a 12-year-old boy, mama and daddy come running into the temple, and they say, where have you been, Jesus? And he said, don't you know that I ought to be about my father's business? Huh, that wouldn't have worked for my mama. Hello? But this was the son of God. And he said, everything in my life is about the kingdom and about my father. And John the Baptist was the same way. And everything about the life of John the Baptist was likened unto that life of Jesus. That every time you find him, he was about the kingdom work. He was about the work of the church. He was about preparing the way. May I tell you the baptism that we have was given to him by the authority of God. Jesus went to him for baptism. You know why? Because God gave John the Baptist the authority to baptize. And all that we're doing here today are some of the things that John the Baptist laid out, prepared the way for the church, prepared the materials for what we're doing today. Aren't you thankful for that life? Aren't you thankful that he gave everything he had to the kingdom of God, that he gave everything he had to Christ? I want you to look here, Matthew 14, if you're with me, say amen. And in verse 3 it says, For Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. For John said unto him, It is not lawful for thee to have her. And as you go through this story, you find most at the end of the day that he lost his life for standing up for what's right. Number one, he lived a life given to Christ. Number two, he lived a life given to righteousness. This man lost his life for what was right. This man said that you can't do that. He was talking to Herod. He said that's against the law. You cannot biblically give your life to this woman. You cannot do that. This is adultery. And this man was standing up for what was right. And I'm telling you, it wasn't popular in that hall to call people out. And he just called them out. You know why? Not because of him, but because the Bible called them out. Man, I'm telling you, every time you want to talk about God's Word, they say, oh, you're so judgmental. (laughs) You're always judging us. I'm not judging nobody. God's already judged us. The judgment's right there in the Word of God. The Word of God is the judge, but John the Baptist lived by the Word of God. And everything that he was and was about was the Word of God. This was a man of morals. This was a man of standards. He had principles. I'm telling you what, when he lived, he lived according to righteousness. I'm telling you, there was times he got offended. There was times that he got upset. There was times when he looked at this world that he cried and he wept over the sins and the wickedness of the world. Because when you live for righteousness, I'm telling you, when you look at the world, your heart's broken. This was a man of principle and had a moral standard beyond our imagination. Because when you give your life to Jesus, you can't help but to give it back to righteousness. And I'm telling you, this was a man peculiar and set aside. I'm telling you today, we need some men peculiar. Whew, three amens. We need some men that are peculiar. Got five that time, that's better. We need some men that are peculiar, that are willing to stand up for thus saith the Lord. We need some men and women in this church right here to have the boldness and the moral character and conduct to stand up and say, Wait a minute, world, that's not right. That's not right. And what are the, oh, you're judging. Oh, no, God's already judged them. And I don't know about y'all, but I'd rather face your judgment than God's judgment. (laughs) Amen. I'm telling you, God's people, we got to stand up for what is right. But preacher, that offends people. And you may offend somebody. Do we not care if we offend God? Have we got so far away from God that we're worried about somebody's feelings rather than the feelings of God? That I've got to give in to everything that I believe in just to keep men happy? John the Baptist said, no. I'm going to stand up for what God said and I'm going to do it God's way. And he gave his life for righteousness. He gave his life because he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Not in the eyes of community, not in the eyes of society, but in the eyes of the Bible. Let me tell you something. You're never wrong for being right. Let me say that again. You're never wrong for being right. When you know what God says and you know what the Bible says, you stand by it and you live for it and you build your life and you build your family upon those principles and you let the storm come. And you let the waves beat that house. But as long as you're built on that firm foundation, bless God, it's not going to shake. It's, you're not going to lose out when you build upon Jesus Christ. You build your life, you build your family upon the morals of thus saith the Lord. I'm telling you, the world cannot stop you. The world will pass you by. And they'll say, look at that judgmental sucker. Oh, holier now got his suit on, thinks he's better than anybody. Let me tell you something. There's only one better than all of us and it's Jesus. And the only reason that I'm here is because of Jesus. And the only reason that I can live righteous is because of Jesus. It's not my righteousness, but it's His righteousness in me. Whoo! It's not me, folks, but it's Him. And all that men and women and mamas and daddies would build a backbone In a structure upon their family that they're willing to stand up for what's right and wrong. Us younger folks, we're so sick of old people. Man, they always got to tell us what they think and what they believe. Well, praise God somebody will say it. Because us younger folks, we're cowards. I said it. The majority of, of us are cowards. We're so scared to tell people what we really think i praise God for people that's willing to stand up and say, this is what God says. This is how it is. Child of God, we ought to be more like John the Baptist. Amen. Willing to stand up when nobody else is willing to stand. To stand up for righteousness sake. Look in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Man, I love the Word of God. Man, isn't it beautiful? A life given to Christ, a life given to righteousness, a life with nothing left to give. Matthew 11, in verse 1, it said, It came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding His twelve disciples, He departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when Jesus had heard in the prison the works of, of Christ, He sent two of His disciples, said unto Him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. John the Baptist in prison about to lose his life. He said, he sent his disciples, go see about Jesus. Jesus said, you tell them the work's still going. You tell them the gospel's still being preached. You tell them the blinds receiving their sight and the lames are walking. The lepers are cleansed. He was in prison about to be put to death and he just had to know that the work was still going on. He had to know that the gospel of Christ was still being carried out. He was about to lose his life. He's about to go to glory land. But all he could think about is the gospel still being preached. I'm telling you, John the Baptist gave everything he had to give. I want you to notice what Jesus said. And as they departed in verse 7, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken before the wind. See, John the Baptist didn't hear this part. You're fixing to hear the testimony of Jesus Christ about the testimony of John the Baptist. Notice what he said in verse 8. But what went ye out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment. Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. That's John the Baptist. Verily, verily, I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there is not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and violent taketh it by force. You know, you've lived and you've done something when Jesus talks about your life. And he said there in verse 11, Among them that are born of women, there is not risen a greater than John the Baptist. In the Old Testament, we look at one life that we cannot find sin, and that's Joseph. He was a sinner because all come short of the glory of God, even Joseph. But Joseph was an Old Testament picture of the New Testament Christ. But you know what? In the life of John the Baptist, you're not going to find a lot of sin. In fact, in the life of John the Baptist, you don't really find a lot of places where you can point your finger at. Was he a sinner? Absolutely. Because there's only one that hadn't sinned, and that's Jesus. This man was a sinner. It was never about him. It was all about Jesus. All you had to do was ask him and then tell you. But when it came to his life, even Jesus said, there's none greater among women than that of John the Baptist. May I tell you, when it got to the end of his life that Jesus preached the sermon of John the Baptist's service, and he said, man, what a great life this man lived, and everything that he had and everything that he did was for me and for the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, he gave all he had to give. He gave everything that he had. And at the end of the day, when he's about to lose his life, the only thing he cared about is that everything that he built and everything that he done was still going forward and was still moving. My dad's 63 years old and I've never seen a man more hungry for God and for preaching and for lost souls. He's hungrier today than I've ever seen him. He's been at that same church for 35 years and his burden today is greater than it's ever been. I don't know about y'all, but as I grow older, I hope my desire to be more like Jesus is greater every day. And my desire for His kingdom is greater every day. And I pray that when I die, and y'all come up here, maybe two or three of you will come to my funeral. I don't know if anybody come. But y'all come by here, and y'all look at my old corpse sitting there in that castle. That's not going to be me. I'm going to be with Jesus. And I hope, well, I know this is true. Y'all are not going to talk about my money. There ain't going to be any money to fight over. And kids just have to suck it up and go work, amen? (laughs) No inheritance here. But when people walk in my funeral, I hope they can say this, that man gave everything he had for the kingdom of God. He may not have had a lot, but he gave all. He may not have had a lot of money. He may not have had a lot of fame. He may not have had a lot of revivals. He may not have had a lot of prestige. He may not have had a lot of popularity. But he gave it all to Jesus. Let me tell you something, folks. Jesus is not asking for your talents. He's not asking for your money. He's not asking for all these little things. He is asking for your all. He is asking for every ounce of who you are. For you to stop and for you to die to yourself and say, Jesus, I'm not going to live anymore for me. I'm not going to live anymore for this world. But I'm going to give it all. He's not looking for us to impress anybody. He's not looking for us to make this big show. I'm telling you, people run before the church and they put on this big show and look at me. God's not interested in that. He's looking at pure hearts this morning. And He wants people that are pure and real that want to follow Him and give their life back to Him. God's not impressed with your 401K. He doesn't care about your retirement plan. Somebody said the other day, Preacher, you got a retirement plan? I just laughed. I thought it was kind of funny. Brother Allen, I've looked all through this Bible. There's not a retirement plan for preachers. It's not there. God didn't say I want you to serve me 20 years. He said, I want you to serve me for your life. For your life. Jesus said, You give me everything you got. And I felt him a lot. And there are days that I can sit there at night thinking, Jesus, I didn't give you everything today. I'm the chiefest of sinners, folks. There's a lot of days that I said, Jesus, I'm so sorry. Folks, He wants us. He wants you. He wants your everything. He doesn't just want your Sunday mornings. Let me say that again. He doesn't just want your Sunday mornings. He wants every hour of every day. He's worthy of every hour of every day. People say, Y'all got Sunday night service too? We do. Not many churches left that's got it. To be honest, we ought to meet on Monday. Whoo, it got quiet then. We ought to meet on Tuesday. We ought to meet on Wednesday. That's a good idea, ain't it? We ought to meet on Thursday. Man, those apostolics down there in West Monroe, they met four times a week. I always told my dad, Dad, I'm glad we're not as serious as they are. Man, I couldn't go to church that much. Isn't that sad? Well, to go to church on Friday and Saturday, we'll be willing to do anything God asks us to do. Because when mankind asks for a Savior, bless God, he gave it all. And he didn't just send us a doctor. He didn't just send us an engineer. He sent his very best, Brother Hayden. He gave us Jesus. Dave very best. Are you giving your very best? You give given all you got, and I tell you that you can't outgive him. You say, Preacher, I give him everything I got, well I promise you he'll bless you a hundredfold. You just wait and you watch.